I hope we're still uh, riding the, the crest of Easter Sunday, even though it's spring break in a lot of places. It sure is with our ministry here. A lot of people are, are gone on a vacation, but how much we need to rejoice in the resurrection of our Savior, all the implications of it, the ramifications of it. We could just meditate on it uh, for a long time, and we need to meditate on it quite frequently, especially every Lord's Day. But by virtue of his being glorified and exalted, he is at the right hand of the Father. So we have an advocate at the right hand of the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. We have an indwelling advocate, the Holy Spirit, and that is the spirit of the glorified Christ. Far more than even Jesus had with his, in his humiliation, and we say that reverently. But let me read Hebrews 9, verse 24. I'll just take off from that, if I may. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. He appears in the presence of God for us continually. He ever lives to make intercession for us. And as we gather to pray repeatedly for revival, which is the main thrust of this Zoom prayer meeting, and I praise God for it, that's the passion of my heart. I'm a student of revival history. As we're asking God for the outpouring of his Holy Spirit, I think it would be good to stop and reflect on the fact that we are appealing to Jesus to do what by his spirit, what is his prerogative to do. He is the one who dispenses the spirit. Even as Peter said on the day of Pentecost in his wonderful message, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the father, the promise of the Holy spirit, he hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear let me tell you, that wasn't something subdued. That wasn't something subjective. That was something everybody knew and experienced. And even unsaved people were compelled to say, surely God has visited his people. God is among them of the truth. Jesus, the exalted Christ, is the one who dispenses his spirit. And that is why he promised his disciples in words that I would be, I would not dare to say, if they were not written in the Bible, he that believeth into me, uh, he shall do greater works than these because I go unto my father. So we know that Christ is our exalted high priest in heaven. He's interceding for us. And, uh, but how does that work? Have you ever thought about that? Is he talking incessantly? Is he saying the same words over and over? Is he calling out our names? And, and I'm not trying to be trivial here, but I think it does us good to think about this. When we reflect on Exodus 28, it tells us that when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies there on, the, on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, he bore the names of the 12 tribes in, in two places. He bore them on his heart in the breastplate of judgment. He also bore them on his shoulders, 
on those two onyx stones on either side of the ephod. Six names, six of the tribes engraved on each stone. So he bore the names upon his heart, the place of affection, and he bore the names of the people upon his shoulder, the place of strength. How striking, therefore, is what we read in the book of the Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6, which quotes the spouse representing the church. I have no (laughs) reluctance to say that. Saying to the bridegroom, set me as a seal upon thine heart and as a seal upon thine arm. Isn't that interesting? The same two places, upon thy heart and upon thy arm. By the way, I, I would just urge us all to read the book of the Song of Solomon devotionally. Uh, I'm reluctant to see what's happened in the last few years. There's a tendency to just treat this book as uh, a celebration of married love. And I know there's great good we can glean from it. But um, if you ever read Charles Spurgeon's great book, The Holy of Holies, the compilation of messages, that he preached on the book of the Song of Solomon, you'll be ruined for life. You will have to read the book devotionally and allegorically, and uh, that's what I do. Let me make three brief observations. The very sight of Christ as our high priest in heaven prevails exceedingly with the Father, and it turns away his wrath from us. We just have this conception of God as a sentimental grandfather in the heavens, and he wouldn't hurt a flea. I think we need to remember that our God is a consuming fire, and there has to be a reason that his wrath against sin is turned away from us. Secondly, Christ performs his intercession work in heaven by presenting his his blood on our account. When God came to Cain to hold him account for shedding the blood of his brother Abel. He said, what hast thou done? Thy brother's blood crieth to me from the ground. There was a voice in that blood. And we look at the lamb in heaven. Revelation 5 verse 6 speaks of the lamb as it had been slain. So there's the blood in heaven. Someone has well said that when we all get to heaven, you won't be able to tell that any of us had ever sinned because we'll be perfected and glorified. But there will be one who will bear the marks of our sin forever and ever. And that is the lamb upon the throne. And he presents the prayers of his saints to God with his merits and and desires that they may be for his sake Granted, I love Revelation 8, verse 3. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. Reminds me of another verse in the book of Song of Solomon. Forgive me, I must say it. Chapter 3, verse 6, the question is asked regarding the spouse. Who is this that cometh out of the wilderness? perfumed, there it is, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense with all powders of the merchant. I keep two myrrh candles in my office. 
when somehow a bad smell gets in my nose, I just scratch the top of those candles. That's the most, most fragrant smell you could have experience, those myrrh candles. So let's reflect on the work of, of Christ on our behalf right now. He ever liveth, he ever liveth to make intercession for us. That's the reason we can know we're saved. That's the reason we can know our prayers are being answered as they are caught up in his unceasing stream. Every detail of that scene involving the high priest in the Old Testament should be so meaningful to us. His going into the sanctuary before the Lord with the names of the children of Israel upon his breast and upon his shoulder, with the blood of the sacrifice and his hands full of fragrant incense. Charles Wesley has captured it so well in, in his great hymn. And he says in one stanza there, Arise, my soul, arise. Five bleeding wounds he bears received on Calvary. They pour effectual prayers. They strongly plead for me. Forgive him, oh, forgive, they cry, nor let that ransom sinner die. The blood speaks. The blood speaks to our consciences. Thank God for that. But the blood speaks to God continually. I'm thankful this, this afternoon, I guess it is here. Maybe, I don't know what it is where you're at. But I'm thankful that Jesus is praying for us. I think it was the saintly Scottish pastor at St. Peter's in Dundee, Robert uh, Murray McShane, who said, if we knew that Jesus was praying in the room next to us, what great boldness and fervency would that give? And then he went on to say, should the distance make any difference? He is praying for us. How's he praying? Well, I think we, we get a little bit of insight in what the Bible says in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32, when Jesus said to Peter, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. And that prayer is 100% effectual when Jesus prays for someone that their faith fail not. So what does that say about all the people whose faith has failed? What about all the apostates we've been hearing about? I'm talking about the a few years ago, Chuck Templeton and Josh Harris in more recent times and Bart Campolo and a fellow over here close to where I'm at, Bart Ehrman at the University of North Carolina, who's out to destroy all the faith of the incoming freshmen. What about those guys that have denied the faith? I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that Jesus never prayed for them. He said in John 17, verse nine, I pray not for the world, but I pray for my disciples. And those prayers are effectual. So let's avail ourselves of this unceasing work of our representative because, and I close with this, and this is a staggering statement. Again, it's something I wouldn't say if the Bible didn't say it, but Jesus' present work on our behalf is more important than his mediatorial work on the cross. That's staggering. But listen to the word of God in two places. Romans 5 verse 10 for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That's not his sinless life for 33 years here on this earth. That's his present life before the father. Romans 8 verse 34, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, 
yea, rather, the word means more again. I love those much more saying, yea, rather, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So I hope the desire of our heart today is, oh Lord, give me a deeper identification with my great high priest and give me a greater participation in the fellowship of his suffering and his passion. Thank you.